welcome to the HJ Talks About Abuse podcast, the podcast where we talk about sexual abuse cases in the hope that it will assist listeners in openly discussing topics which have been ignored for too long. This podcast is brought to you by the abuse team at Hugh James. We are lawyers, so we tend to speak about the legal aspects of abuse cases, but we aren't too shy to speak up about the broader issues faced by survivors of sexual abuse too. We hope that you find it interesting, but more than that, if you are a survivor of sexual abuse, we hope that you find our discussion empowering. Hi, podcast listeners. This is Felina Grosvenor on today's episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. Today's episode is a Meet the Team episode with Danielle Vincent. And the purpose is just for you to get to know our team and the podcast speakers a little bit better. So Danielle is the senior associate in the abuse team and she's a regular contributor to the podcast. So if you've listened to us before, it's likely that you've heard Danielle. Hi, Felina and hi, podcast listeners. Lovely to be back again. So Danielle, could you just start with telling us really how your career began, how you came to the legal sector? Well, for me, I guess it was quite a straightforward progression. From a really young age, I wanted to do something in the sort of legal sector. So when I was maybe 12, 13, and you're at that age where you're choosing what you're going to do, I was always going to go into the police or into the legal sector because I liked the fact that it was going to be challenging, every day would be different, and we know whatever law you're working in, you're always having to stay up to date everything's always changing so it was a real appeal and I think when I was a lot younger there was actually quite a few legal dramas that were on the TV that made it look like it was going to be quite a glamorous type of career I think at the time. And what made you steer towards law instead of the police then? That's quite interesting. Yeah I think at the time I was a lot more academic as a young teen and then I really wanted and liked the idea of going to university I was the first in my family to do so so I think I went down that route and then by the time I'd got into my law degree I I just really enjoyed it I mean some areas more than others I'm sure if anyone's listening that's done a degree in law or other degrees there's definitely topics that you like and there's topics that you don't enjoy and I think that shapes which area you're going to follow in future life I think. And so what was your first position in in the legal field? So I started out after leaving university I went and I paralegaled in Bristol because that's where I went to university and then I was there I think for two years and then I got a training contract which was for various seats and again I think that crystallized that I wasn't going to be a conveyancer that just wasn't my skill set and that I'd always moved towards at that time I was either going to be a family and work with child protection and sort of divorce and matrimonial sort of matters or I was going to go into the personal injury world. Mm. And so when did you start working on actual abuse claims? So I've been doing abuse for a good couple of years now. As I say, on my training contract, I did a year effectively of child protection matters. But at the time that I was about to qualify, legal aid changed. So 
a lot of the clients that I would have had, had had I qualified into that area, were no longer funded. So sadly, that sort of work very much fell away. So I moved into personal injury and then abuse work marries almost the, the two up because I always wanted to work with clients may have had been problems in the family or just issues that I'd come across before, whether it was drug, alcohol, different things, potentially vulnerable clients. And when I'd married that up with personal injury, an abuse role was basically a real mix of the two. And did you sort of see that path happening, that move into abuse work? Or would you say that it sort of not not fell into, you know, your lap and your situation, but was it something that you actually, you know, sought out yourself? Yeah, it was definitely a change that I sought. So by the time that I took my first abuse role, I had been doing personal injury, I'd say for about nine or 10 years. So it'd been quite a long time, perhaps slightly less if my math isn't correct. And I'd worked a lot of different areas in personal injury. But I think in the last couple of years, especially, there's it's been a lot more prevalent in the news and there's been a lot more reporting. It's been, you know, topical. There's been dramas, films, just lots of media, high profile cases that we were seeing, especially with things like Jimmy Savile. And, you know, it became a topic that I think perhaps people had never really spoken about. And I just realised that that was the area that I wanted to work in. And I'd also worked as a a defendant solicitor for some years, which I still feel is a great advantage now when I'm working for clients, because I can almost second guess what the next move will be from a defendant solicitor. So I was very much wanting to move to a claimant and represent people rather than insurance companies. So you've touched upon there how your approach is with clients and how it maybe differs to somebody else because of the experience that you've had on the defendant side of things. How else, if anything, do you think your approach differs with clients compared, you know, maybe to conveyancing or another area of law? I think as an abuse solicitor, and I'm sure you agree, Felina, you know, our clients are coming to us because it's a very personal service. A client's talking to you about something that perhaps they've never told their family or their friends. It could have been unspoken about for decades, perhaps. And I think that role requires a skill set, you know, to be kind to caring, to understand things can't be rushed. And it's not you know, a simple process, perhaps like other areas of of law, there's not necessarily a straightforward decision that can be made. I mean, when we're looking at other things like conveyance in all areas of law are difficult, but there's a, a lot clearer process. And every time that we have a case law that changes, this can affect the prospects of a case or the valuation of a case. And so it's forever changing. And I, I think that makes our work interesting but also quite challenging and so really you have to be so aware of so much and also so not just the law but also the emotional side of things for your clients as well that that maybe doesn't always come into a solicitor's job necessarily so you've touched upon what is difficult about the role and sort of staying with that I imagine that it is difficult sometimes emotionally as well. Yeah, I, I think it, it can be really emotional. You do live the highs and lows with a client. So when you meet a client for the first time, you know, it can, can be quite upsetting to 
you know, release all of that information that perhaps has been held by someone for a long time. But also one thing that both of us experience is that a lot of the time somebody doesn't come forward to disclose the abuse because they don't think they are going to be believed. And then we are taking these cases and we are proceeding with them forward and we are getting the results and compensation sometimes apologies from either individuals or organizations that have failed our clients and that is very much along the way what the client has always wanted that acknowledgement that they were wronged and I think when we get that for the client sometimes it, it gives somewhat a bit of closure but also it's that they're believed and you know as I say it could have been decades that they've worried that they wouldn't be and that is probably one of the best parts of our jobs I think is that you are helping someone in that respect. And would you say is that what motivates you to stay in this area of work? Yes I think the work we do is rewarding in that respect in that we are never going to be able to rewrite history and change what has happened to an individual, but we can help improve their life somewhat, whether that be, you know, that they go back and do the education they missed out on, they seek the medical help or therapy that they need, or there's an element of recognition from the wrongdoer. There's an element that we are supporting that individual for for the future. Yeah, and um, when say it's a case that you can't help that individual how do you you know step away from your job as a lawyer and and that emotional maybe side of it I mean I think when it's somebody that we we can't help you know sometimes it's because it's a different perhaps lister that that individual may need such as an employment lister if it's a work-related issue or if it's a family-related issues that we can at least redirect an individual or sometimes we can advise to to go to the police or or make a different type of compensation through the CICA. So there's guidance we can give. And then sometimes if we can't help, it's just the fact that we can we can have a chat with the client and explain the reasons why that, again, help somebody understand that their legal position. So there's an element that there is an understanding there. And I mean, from taking a step back, I think it's like every everybody's jobs and each person, you know, will deal with stress with that. It's how you deal with it afterwards. I think varies greatly, really. But I think we get such good results for our clients that there's such a pleasure in working with these great people that actually sometimes the lows are, are worth it for, for the highs. Mm. Yeah, so I suppose focusing on either redirecting, as you said, positively or trying to focus on maybe another case that you can throw yourself into. I think a lot of people would agree that that is actually a method, (laughs) even if it doesn't seem like it would be. So is there any particularly memorable case or maybe client comment to you that you feel particularly proud of or feel particularly strongly about? I think whenever we get feedback to say thank you you know you've really helped me in this situation I couldn't have done it without you you know that's a real boost to our days especially if you do feel like like you've helped somebody change possibly their future whether as I say it be that they then go back to education or you know they seek some therapy that will make a real change to their future lives or family therapy all different things 
that's really, really lovely. I mean, one case that really sticks in my mind was the first trial I ever went to, and it was a client, and obviously to the listeners, we can't say very much because of confidentiality, but it was a client that had spent years and years and years in an abusive foster parent relationship. And she was a similar age to me by the time it had got to a civil case proceedings going to trial you know and she'd gone through a criminal trial that had taken a long long time then she'd gone through a civil trial that again you know I was surprised that the defendant was still defending it then she was successful in winning her civil trial and it it was that point that she felt like she'd got somewhat some closure but it had taken years and years and to see her go through all of that process and not give up as quite a young woman, quite determined in what she'd gone through, was really, I was really, really pleased for her. And I think it was at that point that I thought that this was going to be the career that I would do for the rest of my life. That's really nice. Sounds like a very inspirational person and situation. Um, so is there anything at the moment, you, we've talked, well, you have um, talked about how the media is a lot more vocal now than it's been in recent years regarding abuse I think there's less of a taboo on it and that obviously is one of the reasons we do this podcast is there anything that you think is going to be coming out in the media or anything that we should be sort of looking out for either as practitioners or as people that are just interested in this sort of area I mean I I think for regular listeners they'll know that a lot of the podcasts we've talked about previously have been on what's been in the press or television film we've talked about lots of different soaps over the years tackling really difficult issues such as rape within marriage and um, sexual assault of, of male survivors who for lots of different reasons don't generally come forward and I always am really impressed when you know Netflix or big productions do tackle these things because we see a surge in people reporting after this and I think that can only be positive and you know teaching younger generations that you know they don't have to wait 20 30 years to come forward so all of that is positive so far I mean at the moment we've been discussing between ourselves that there, there may be changes coming into regards to legislation making abuse work not more difficult to to bring cases but possibly restricting costs and things like that so that will be more difficult so I would advise anyone that's listening that may have a potential abuse case to come forward there's potential that there will be changes in 2026 but they aren't I don't think they're set in stone but but that's what I would say if anybody was thinking that you know that they have concerns and they want to consider seeking legal advice that they should always come forward sooner rather than later because you don't know if there's going to be a key change in the law to what law we we are dealing with at the moment makes your case viable may not in the future and we've seen that with previously with social services cases so I just think it's very important to come forward as soon as possible if you if you think you may have a claim. And um, you've touched upon how we think it's really beneficial when Netflix and other people do documentaries or movies or anything that does, you know, show abuse and show that you can disclose. Are there any particular shows that you'd recommend or documentaries that you'd recommend? So there was one not long ago called 
for lives I think it was on BBC which was again we work in this industry and I I didn't know about it It was in the 90s and it it talked about how a male had had basically raped other men and that the police at the time weren't taking it as seriously and there's a dating app involved and I didn't know anything about this until you know I'd have been so young when this was happening so when it came out on the BBC and it was true life the family had agreed for this to be filmed. The NSPCC reported that there was, a, I think it was a third increase in reports of sexual abuse by males. And that is just so positive because even if those individuals perhaps don't have civil claims, they can be pointed in the right directions for support groups and things like that. So I think when different broadcasts, you know, tackle such issues that you know they're not easy topics to film I'm sure that the actors really have to think carefully about how they portray these things but also you know I know personally from clients that I have that when they see these things on the tv they're not necessarily comfortable but anything that raises awareness is got to be positive. Yeah I mean it sounds like it must have been a powerful program to cause that uplift and um, that's really positive. So just leaves me to ask if you have any final advice or words of wisdom for those listening. I think if it's a professional, anyone that's looking to get into acting for abuse survivors, it, it's, it is a very rewarding role. It can be difficult and challenging, but it, it's very rewarding to, to work with some fantastic people. Every day is different and you meet some fantastic clients along the way. So there's that. And if anybody is listening that potentially is worried that they have a claim, I would always suggest that they call one of us in the team. We're all very approachable and, you know, we can have a chat with you and just advise you of, of, you know, potentially your next steps. That's all. Great. Well, I look forward to continuing to work with you on the podcast and obviously in our abuse team. If anyone has any thoughts or comments on what we've been talking about today, then they can contact the team at hjtalks at aboutabuse.co.uk. And Danielle, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks very much, Felina. That was great. Thank you for listening to this episode of HJ Talks About Abuse. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favourite podcast player. If you'd like to speak to us about something you've heard today, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at aboutabuse at hjtalks.co.uk.